podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. It is Thursday, which means it is a viewer's voice. Our uh, show tonight, as always, is brought to you by bookmakers.com. If you're into a little bit of wagering on the sports, head on over there, get the best odds for whatever bet you're going to be putting down. Uh, They're sponsoring us throughout this season. Gav's doing his show on there. You had a show today, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Had one, yeah. It was good. How'd it go? Good. Good. Sorry, United, just, United just... fans, uh, it's got to be pretty tough. You're feeling pretty big in his britches right now with the form that they're currently in. No, uh, in, fairness, Jack... the Uni- in fairness, the United fan is um, they're both really nice. You know, yeah. he won't, he won't, he won't commit to a, he won't commit to a title race. No matter how many times I try to push him on it. Yeah, every every week you get another opportunity at the way that it's going. So before they know it, they might be right in the mix. Uh, for uh, for the title so obviously joined by uh gav of bang average golf so it's uh, good to get him back to his original home here on the lfc day trippers and glenn back on for another uh show with us good to see you glenn how are you yeah good thanks for having me on no problem no problem so um just a little chit-chat about the old Liverpool, I think, tonight. It's uh, a little easier to do this when it's not in the middle of a transfer window and when the team is not absolute garbage. Uh, I've had a few days to digest the game and think about it. Glenn, is this a turning point for Liverpool this year? I don't know. I, I don't think we'll know until after Saturday, really. Um, I kind of think back to earlier in the season, and everyone kind of felt that the, the City game was a almost like a turning point in the in the year and then went out and we put two performances in against Forest and Leeds. So um obviously we'll have to start somewhere and obviously a win against Everton is always a good place to start. But I think if we're being if we're being honest, there's there's tougher tests ahead than Everton, despite the fact that they beat Arsenal last weekend. So um if we can back it up with a result on Saturday against Newcastle, then yeah, I I, I would I would say it is a potential turning point, but I think it's too early to say right now. Is that just because Everton were so dreadful? Like I thought they were. Yeah, Kev and I did the post-match show, and we were both so just excited and happy to be on after a good Liverpool performance and result. <laughs> we didn't even really get into mentioning the fact that Everton were dreadful. Yeah, and it kind of took me by surprise. Obviously, you kind of think, obviously, with Dice coming in, you kind of get that new manager bounce. And obviously, they got that against Arsenal last weekend. And and to be fair, like, it wasn't like they fluked that against Arsenal. Like, they really deserved it. And I think the thing as well, which kind of maybe made fans a bit nervous before the game, was it was the manner in which they played against Arsenal. You know, they didn't just sort of stick 10 men behind the ball and that kind of thing. They, they really hassled and harried Arsenal and went after them. So I think we were kind of expecting, you know, with it being the derby, and obviously with them just coming off the back of a result against Arsenal, they might put in a similar type of performance, but they were they were really, really poor. I mean, um, obviously the game kind of hinged on that on that first goal, because you think of the margins, obviously Tarkovsky hitting the post, and then we go up the other end and score. And I think up until that point, whilst we were probably the better team, you know, it wasn't like, you know, Everton's goal was under siege by any means. So it was definitely a turning point because I think once they went 1-0 down, the belief just kind of like sapped out of them. And um, obviously it, it turned out to be a, you know, a pretty uh, a pretty comfortable victory. But it just goes to show, you know, the, how, how fine the margins are at times. Yeah. I mean, uh, Sam Tandy has a comment here. He says, the fact that Everton weren't great and we won is still a good sign we're going in the right direction. We ain't exactly been beating teams that have been poor before this game. And, like, that's, for me, Gav, that's the biggest thing I took out of it was it wasn't like 
even the first goal, like it wasn't against the run of play. Like it was, we were building towards it. Like I, I when I'm doing a post-match show, I always take notes during the game as opposed to just watching it. And normally it's you know, like frustration and, you know, what the hell's going on here? And this, like that game before the goal, it was all good things. Like the midfield looked strong. You know, Matt Tip had that squeaky moment about four and a half minutes in where he absolutely air kicks the ball and they have kind of a sight at our goal, but nothing comes of it. And then when the goal came, like I, I said to Kev, I said, I, I was 100% confident. There was no way we were going to lose from that 1-0 up just with the way that we were playing. Like the the steel and the team seemed to be back. Did you get that feeling? Uh, yeah, I did a bit. Um, I'm not I'm not too sure if it's a turning point. I think um, somebody said in the chat there, they, they mentioned the away form and they said, um, and I'll get up now in a minute. But look, I wasn't overly confident going into this game for a couple of reasons. One, um, we seem to get bullied in football games this season, physically and sometimes mentally. You know, teams do small things against us and we seem to just react really badly to it and give them chances after that. And two, Everton were coming off the back of a win against Arsenal, um, a new manager who prides himself on being really, really organised and give nothing away. And that just didn't, it wasn't a good recipe for me going into this game. I went on about it before the game, how second balls were going to be massive. Because if you win second balls against Everton, you'll beat them. If you don't, it gives them a chance to play into corners, play down channels. Okay, they hadn't got Calvert-Lewin to hit that angled ball up because that's what they love. Angle ball from right back towards Calvert-Leon, who wins a header, either back into midfield or out to McNeil, and he's just swinging balls in the box. And we've been poor um, from crosses um, this season defensively. So going into it, I wasn't overly confident. Um, and I think that's a fair way to be, considering the way we've been playing for the last God knows how long. But what we've seen on Monday, although my, you can classify it as a turning point, because I think the away game stuff is a really good point, the difference in how we played, the the you know, the intensity of how we played. We wanted to go into tackles. We wanted to win second balls. We weren't afraid to go in and do that. We weren't afraid to, to press them because we were all backing each other. It, it didn't look fragmented. It didn't look, you know, like the midfield were miles away from the defence or the forwards were pressing and the midfield were sitting on the halfway line. It looked like a team that were going in together. And that's half the battle. Genuinely, that's half the battle. If, if you go in knowing what you're meant to do, Sometimes your legs won't get you there, but if you're willing to commit as a team and do something, you'll, you know, the majority of the time you come out with the right result. What Liverpool have been doing recently is a playing the same formation and just looking for the same thing to happen or better things to happen, and it wasn't. And b and then they were just constantly so far apart from each other, where there were so many holes in this team, and teams that are average and above average were getting at us. And on Monday night, what what I see most, what I think I see most that was a was a fight in the Liverpool team, um, and a willingness to go back to what we're good at, which is harrying teams, not letting them out, not letting them settle, and then getting their hyper players on it. Robertson in particular, get them on it, get them running up the pitch, because you know yourself, Robertson makes a fifty yard run of football, tries to cross it, hits a defender, goes out for a throw, the place goes mental, and everyone reacts off each other. It does, it happens all the time. So, I liked what i seen on Monday. I'm not going to say it's a turning point, but I, I did like what i seen. And But again, Matt, you have to back it up. You simply have to back it up. And that starts on Saturday evening against Newcastle. Yeah. it's uh, This game really helped re-energize my positivity towards the team because it had really been taking a hammering for the last you know six or seven performances. And it's it's why I phrased it as a turning point because I, I do feel that, like, I I felt and I agree with what you were saying about how we look cohesive and you know we were aggressive and on it as a team like Gakpo seems like he's finding his spot in the team now you know he's only been seven eight games through the door he's learning every game and this was hands down his best performance in a Liverpool shirt you know it's as good as Darwin Nunez has looked pressing from the front and everybody else was there and you know you bring the two old war horses back into the midfield in Fabinho and Henderson and they know what they're doing they seem to have enough legs to get around. You know, Fabinho was a bit meh for parts of the game, but he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't terrible. And so to me, that's that's the positivity I got from that. Like, you know, we got some offensive output from our fullbacks for the first time in a long, long time. Like, we've really been missing the threat. I think that's Trent's first assist in the league this year. 
You know, our first one. Well, he didn't. He didn't actually get the assist. Yeah, he doesn't get oh, it. Oh yeah, deflection, <laughs> which is which is it, ridiculous. It, it, should, it should be really like, but uh, I think it was like it, it came off a defender or something, and then that's they're saying that that, that touch kind of played it into the Gakpo. But yeah, I, I, I know think, what you mean. I think what happens is if you cross it and a defender puts his leg out and it hits off the defender and goes in and just someone scores, it's your assist. But I think it might be Cody tried to make a deliberate attempt on the ball and touched it. Uh, and because he makes a deliberate touch on the ball, it, the assist is ruled out because people are losing their mind over their fancy football <laughs> going, where's me fucking assist points? And it was explained <laughs> then that, no, he's made it. I think it was Cody. He makes a deliberate attempt on the yeah. ball, hits off it. So it's actually Cody's assist to Gakbo. I, I think anybody that's persisted with Trent in their fantasy at this point when he's costing, you know, $7 million as a defender and he's contributed almost nothing because it's not like we're getting clean sheets and he's not putting up assists. I think they deserve that just for pity, if nothing else. But yeah. uh, Kevin Ball I mean, said he had an assist against Bre- against Brentford for Oxlade-Chamberlain. So it's, yeah, but you're right. it's a very low amount of assists. Um, yeah, I, I mean, cer- certainly in terms of his past couple of seasons his output and even Robertson you know hasn't really been he broke the Leighton Baines all-time assist record for a defender earlier in the season then he's kind of gone quiet from it but I to me that's because we've needed to keep our fullbacks kind of reined in a little bit because we just were so shaky defensively that we couldn't risk bombing them forward like we normally do and there was something about the solidity there and Glenn I'm going to come to you on this one and uh, this is the chat that I think we all want to have a lot of it seems to have to do with Stefan Bajetic. I mean, the the, the kid is, I, I mean, just phenomenal. Come absolutely out of nowhere. I, you could go back to any podcast's preseason prediction show, and there's not a soul in the world that would have Stefan Bajetic starting games in the midfield and starting them, you know, at this point on merit. You know, he kind of came in as uh, we were down to the dregs of picking midfielders and – He's been a revelation. Yeah, he has. I mean, like, I mean, not to take anything away from the kid because he has been brilliant, but the bar was set incredibly low for him. So, you know, I'm not saying he hasn't done a lot, but he wouldn't have had to have done too much for him to come in and be our, you know, our best midfielder in this period of time. But as I said, I don't want to take anything away from him. But, um, I mean, like, I think it's quite simple, like, it's the, the freshness that he's brought into that area of the pitch because obviously before he came in, you know, the players looked like they were running through treacle. You know, I think like that Brighton game, that was the one that re- the, the the one in the league, sorry, that, that was the one that really highlighted how how badly we were lacking legs in midfield. So I think him coming in has just brought that freshness and um he has a bit of like a rawness to him as well, you know. Um like he I think in his first couple of games, like he did get he did get a couple of yellow cards just from making like silly tackles, um. But like that's to be expected because obviously he's he's still learning his trade. But um, he doesn't have any fear in him, you know. Um, he's comfortable on the ball. I think there's like I think it was in the Wolves game. There was a couple of times he you could almost tell he's like had some influence from Thiago. There, there was a couple of wee drops of the shoulders and little half turns that just looked like it was Thiago, um. Yeah. So he's definitely growing in confidence. And as I say, I think like, you know, it's that freshness that he's brought into the midfield that we've been really lacking. I think that's why he stood out so much. But as I say, like, that's not taking anything away from him. He's uh, he's done really well. Yeah, Kevin Ball there says he uh, deservedly got our Player of the Month award today. I mean, it would have been hard to give it to anybody else. You know, when Mo Salah is standing up and saying <laughs> he's the best player on the team since the World Cup. Uh Garmack put a comment there for you, Gav. Uh, I'm sure it was tongue in cheek, but he he wants to know: Do we rest him on Saturday to keep him fresh for Real Madrid? Like, no, I'm of the opinion he's the fourth name on the team sheet in midfield, and I mean that because why wouldn't he be? You know, like let me let me put it this way: If he was 22 or 23, if that was Joe Bellingham playing for Liverpool over the last couple of weeks and you're going, he's standing out among all of them. You wouldn't be resting Joe Bellingham on Sun, on Saturday. Joe Bellingham's 19. This lad's 18. You know, you wouldn't be resting him. Simple as that. I don't go for all, or we rest him for Real Madrid. The next game is the most important game for Liverpool. It's, it always will be. And believe it or not, Saturday's game is more important than Tuesday, in my opinion. Right? Because... I think, yeah, I do. I think, I think that we have more chance of getting top four than we have a win the European Cup, and that's just 
that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I could be sitting here in June or whatever with seventh European Cup and going, "What a fucking idiot I am!" But, <laughs> yeah, but that's like, the best but, but, but I've no problem with that. If that happens, I have fucking no issues. But no, I would. I wouldn't rest them. And and you know something, I think it's spurred a few others on because Henderson and Fabinho haven't <clears> been seen in a starting lineup. I don't think since that Brighton away game. I think that might have been one one game after that they've started. It might have been a cup game against Wolves. But I have a feeling them, both of them, have more or less been told, you better go out and do something here. You better go out and start making a statement with regards to Liverpool career here. Because to leave them, who who's a, your only really defensive midfielder and your club captain now, like they have over the last couple of weeks, and no talk of injury avoided them. There was one with sickness, I think, with Fabinho for yeah. one game. Um, there's no coincidence in that for me. That, you know... I'm 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 out there saying that, you know, Henderson can't play three games in seven days. I'll stick by that. I don't even know if Fabinho can. But to be left out that consistently over the last five to six weeks from starting lineups, there's no doesn't that's not resting people. That's not, you know, protecting people. That's basically saying you have not been good enough. And I don't care if you're club captain or you're the best defensive midfielder we've seen in twenty years at the club or whatever it might be you're not playing. And this lad is coming in at 18. And it's, it's so hard for players like that because we've seen it so many years um, from, not from Liverpool, from other clubs where they're really struggling and a fan base will hold out hope for this young player. You know, like Alan Smith at Leeds or, you know, someone like that. Where you, and you see them come in, you're holding out hope and you're trying to be extra positive about them. And in the end, not Alan Smith didn't, but in the end, they kind of fall off. And, you know, they, they come in for a while and they'll go away. This fella doesn't look like that. This fella looks different to me. And that's not me pinning me all my hopes on him because I think we need midfielders in the summer. But when you look at him, he's played deep. He plays that eight position to the day. And everything about him, he's not afraid to tackle, not afraid to run with it, not afraid to pass short, long, get physical, throw a leg, anything. He's up for it. You know what I mean? And even with the presence of what came in beside him there, he could have felt, oh, the big boys are back here. And, you know, what? where do I fit? No, he was the best player on the pitch. He yeah. was genuinely was the best player on the pitch, so I wouldn't be resting him anywhere. He play if he's fit, he plays. He's eighteen years of age. He should have all the energy in the world to run around. I don't go along with that. Oh, he's eighteen. He might be tired. Fuck off. If he's yeah. thirty-eight, <laughs> he might be tired. But at eighteen, no, he's played on Monday. He's a game five days later, and okay, three day after that for Real Madrid. But he's gonna be flying. Adrenaline keeps you true. Anyway, no matter what age of football you are, if you're playing well, you're getting results. You want to play. Every day, every day of the week. So no, yeah. I wouldn't be resting. I, I love everything about him. I really do. Yeah, yeah it's especially you know, it's, you don't want to play him too much. You know, he's a young kid; he could burn out. It's like I don't know. I'm thinking back, like when I was 18, you stay out drinking until three, four in the morning, then get up and go to work the next morning, like nothing happened, sort of thing. And <laughs> I certainly wasn't a high level professional athlete, so you know, you got to think he could go again. Uh, it's a small sample size, but do you like him more as that left side at eight, or do you like him more as a six? Is that for me? Yeah. Um, I'd love him in the eight. I have to be honest. I like him in the six, but, and I'll probably contradict myself a little bit here, but for an 18-year-old to hold the Liverpool midfield, especially in a struggling time, I think is a little bit unfair on him. <clears throat> but I think if you were, if you had, if you got Fabinho into any sort of form or done something in midfield just to give him a little bit more freedom. You can see he loves it. Like, it's not like he was in that eight going, oh, well, my first thought is I'll get back in beside Fabinho and I'll make it a two. And I, I'm just standing off and waiting to cut past. And he he thrived in it. He thrived in the fact that he could get into little positions, drop shoulders, little one-twos, and then switch and ball. He, he loved it. And he's he's not your typical defensive midfielder where you think he's okay on the ball and He's he's okay in the air and he's he, he protects you and he, he sees things. He's he's a he's a really good. I I like Lamar like like Glenn said. I I like Lamar to a Thiago type player. Now he's not on the level of Thiago, but that style than I would have Fabinho. Not well, not yet. He's eighteen years of age, but I would I would look at him more in that sort of ilk because it's just the way he's built, the way he moves, and his confidence on the ball. He's he doesn't care where. He gets it. Just give me the ball. He doesn't. He reminds me. He reminds me of so much of, of players where you look at them go down the years where they just want it all the time. Doesn't matter where it is. Just give me it. I'll, I'll deal with it. Doesn't matter. And I love him in the eight. I have to be honest with you. 
that he, he looked really, really good there because he was able to show more of his skills, I think. Yeah. What about you, Glenn? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I've seen the thing he'd actually... Uh, I know he didn't play the 90 minutes, but I think in the, in the first half on Monday, he covered more distance than any other Liverpool player on the pitch. So again, like kind of going back to what I was saying before, that kind of... You know, he, he has the legs, he can do it. Obviously, when he's young, so he, he is going to have them. But uh, no, I uh, I would definitely go with him there. Um, I agree with Gav. Like, it's a, you're putting a lot of responsibility on an 18-year-old to kind of do that job sitting in the in front of the back four. But um, we're just going back to like, kind of like touching on Henderson and Fabinho. Obviously, um, Henderson, I thought he'd done well on, on Monday night. Fabinho... Again, it's kind of like he's been so bad that it's kind of like he can only get better. Um, so it's going in the right direction. But I just sort of think like with them two now, like obviously Bicetic has come in and done so well. And it's hopefully it's like a bit of a kick up the arse for them too because, you know, for an 18-year-old to come in and kind of, you know, I'm not saying he's upstaged them as such, you know, but for him to come in and get the headlines in such a short space of time, you know, it doesn't look too good on them. And... um I wouldn't be surprised if Klopp's had a had a word in their ear and said to them, "Look, you're potentially playing for your future here." And what I mean by that is, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to get sold in the summer, but it could be the difference between next season them being a guaranteed starter each week, and you know you're going to be my squad player. You know, almost like fading into kind of like a Milner role where you're coming in and you're playing in you know Carabao Cup, potentially Europa League next season. You know, obviously we we hope not, but. Um, you know, that could be the, the difference for them between now and the end of the season. So, you know, Klopp might have said to them, look, you've got to show me why you're still, or can you maintain the levels that you've had over the, the last couple of seasons? Because we all know in the summer, uh, or at least we hope anyway, that there's got there needs to be at least two, possibly even three midfielders come in. So someone's going to have to make way. So, you know, hopefully they, they'll kind of see that as a challenge between now and the end of the season to kind of think, right, I've got to really pull my socks up here and I've got to show what my worth to the team again. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it can even be something as simple as players like Fabinho and Henderson would have been pretty confident coming into the season that they were part of Liverpool's, you know, two, three-year plan. And then all of a sudden they get halfway through this season and, you know, hey, Gaffer, what's going on? Of like, we're getting to the point now where if we get a half-decent offer, we might have to take you up on it. And now it's up to them to play themselves back into it. Uh, I'm going to stick with you on this one, Glenn. I was thinking when I was at work today, I'm I'm struggling to think of a lot of other 18-year-old players that have come into a central midfield position in more of a defensive side. Because Odegaard's doing it at Arsenal right now, but he's really a 10, you know, more of a, yeah. an artillery attacker than properly in the heart of midfield. And, like, I'm having a tough time thinking of a lot of other players that really jump out at that age in a position that requires so much like tactical awareness and reading of the game. Because like I watched somebody put together like, I don't know, a six and a half minute highlight reel of Bacetich. I think it was every single one of his touches throughout the game. (laughs) Even just like a couple of times of him just having the awareness of sticking with his man and knowing that the pass might be coming to him and just blocking it off and slowing the game up a little bit. Like, doing things that would be easy to not do, you know, because you're so caught up in the emotion of everything like that. Like, can you, like, are there any players from your time of watching football that jump out to you that, you know, as 18 year old kids came into a midfield and, and impressed the way that he has? Um, I mean, it's, like you say, it's still, it's still early days, still is a, a small sample size. I mean, I think sort of thinking of uh, the game right now, probably, I'm not saying he's at this level, by the way, but um, you know, maybe Gavi at uh, at Barcelona. You know, he's kind of playing a, a similar sort of role for them, and obviously he's quite young. Um, but obviously he's been he's been in the team a, a good bit longer than uh, than Bicetic. Um, but no, it, it obviously it has been a while since we've had someone of, of that age come in and become such an important part of the midfield at, at such a young age. Um, I mean, again, I'm not gonna I'm not comparing him to the fella, but you know, obviously like Gerard, he broke in quite quite young but he was you know completely different you know he was like box to box all action kind of could do everything by Cheric he's kind of more of your your sort of stereotypical Spanish player where he's you know he's a really good technician very tidy on the ball great awareness but he does have that little bit of a bite to him which I like you know like as I said before he does does like to get his foot 
uh, he does put his foot in. And because of his age and because of his inexperience, you know, he, he is going to pick up yellow cards. But that's something that, you know, he'll learn through experience when is the right time to stick the foot in and when isn't. Um, so, yeah, as I say, I think the only one through I can think who sort of has that importance in a midfield at this moment in time would probably be like maybe like Gavi at the, the Barcelona who's playing like a similar sort of role. Yeah, I mean, that's great company. I mean, it's this is kind of what I was – like kind of what I was coming to is like there's a few names getting thrown here in the chat. You see Fabregas at Arsenal. Well, Fabregas is the uh, one I would I would have went with. I've got thinking back through the years. He, he absolutely has a I bang mean, of Fabregas. He was 16, wasn't he? That, that's amazing. Like if we've got a little Fabregas clone on well, our the hands. Th- the, but the team oh, of Fabregas shit. was – the team of Fabregas was when Fabregas came into the team at Arsenal, people were like – he was about – I think he was 17. And yeah. people were like, he, he, against us. he scored against us, didn't he? Yeah, and he had a kind of mullet kind of hair yeah, there. Yeah. And, and it was like this little <laughs> Spanish kid. And he was just mesmerizing to watch because he wasn't the biggest. Bacetich is a taller player than him. But he, the way he manipulated the ball, his body, he, he kept the ball under pressure. He was afraid. He, he'd take the ball anywhere as an Arsenal player. And you had to at that time. As an Arsenal player at that time, you must take the ball, regardless of where where. He, you know, we were in the picture. Who was around you? Now, you know, um, there was someone in the chat there saying we should hold back on this, um, and I'll get it back. You know, Paul said I think we should uh, hold back on our predictions for Bachelor's future. Yeah, I don't. I think don't think a long term. I, I, I'm not going to tell you he's going to be a Ballon d'Or winner in five years. But what when you see this type of player, I you see there's a lot. I keep going back to. I think it's very easy for young players to look good in a good team. At times, you know, bring them in 20 minutes. Oh, he looks really good. Ben mm-hmm. Doak looks really good when Liverpool play. I haven't seen him recently. He might be injured. But you've seen players down the years where they come in and they go, Isn't he, doesn't he look great? You know, and the, 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 team, the team is flying. But, Attackers go backs. Yeah, but, but, the, but the, thing for, the thing about this is Liverpool have been appalling. And this guy is in the team. And I haven't yet to watch Liverpool while he's in the team. And they've lost many games while he's in the team. I've yet to come out and go, he wasn't at it today. He didn't put it in. He he's literally, and you might say the best of a bad bunch in midfield when when we've been beaten, but he comes off and you know you're kind of going. He's giving you an hour there and he's giving you everything, and he's showing you flashes. And it's so hard for a player, even in a four or five game period, to sink like a stone. He's back in the eighteens or the twenty ones. It didn't work. We got an experienced player in, you know, or back from injury, and you just he disappears. He's not. He's these all these players are experienced around them, and they're not getting in the side. You know, Naby Kate is not in the side tonight because Bacetich is playing. Henderson hasn't been in the team because this fella's playing. Fabinho the same. The only one that was getting in the team room was Thiago. Everyone else not considered. Curtis Jones went fit, not considered. Alex Oxley Chamberlain not considered. Milner is fit. There's players out of form, not considered. This guy is playing, and I think he will go through a dip. There's no doubt about that. He will go through a dip at some stage. You go, is this a bit big for him? You have doubts over him. But when it comes, people have to remember what age he is, um, what he's being thrown into. And to a lesser extent, when you look at the likes of Nunes and Agakbo, the same, they've been thrown into a shit show, right? Yeah. Let's be honest. And when that happens, you need to turn around and go, leave him alone. You mightn't see him for half a dozen games. That's absolutely fine. Because the world we live in now is, oh, he's not playing this week. We fucking discarded him forever. He's not going to play football ever again. And that's what happens nowadays. Whereas you just need to say, he mightn't be seen for six games. That's absolutely fine. It is a small sample size. But it's not like he's just doing one thing in a game and you go, oh, isn't that great? He's doing loads in football games. And that's, yeah, and it's not it's not 15-minute cameos. He's getting yeah, start the, after start. Games-wise, it's a small sample size. But touches on the football and what he's actually doing within those game times, it's not really a small sample size because he's probably received the ball about 300 times for Liverpool now. And most yeah. of the time he keeps it or does something with it. So on that side of things, it's good. But when it happens, and it will, everyone just needs to relax. But he'll probably yeah. win a Ballon d'Or in five years. <clears throat> there we go. That's <laughs> what I like to hear. No pressure. I, I mean, yeah. Kev O'Sullivan had said earlier up in the chat that he was clocked at 11.2 kilometres that he ran in the game. I mean, that's... That's the sort of thing you need to see. But you said something there, Gav, about keeping you know other players out of the starting lineup because he just needs to be picked. And this is something else. Again, I've been looking forward to doing this batch ditch talk for a couple of days now. So I've been thinking about this. <laughs> I think there are two other players that are going to benefit massively from the emergence of Stefan Bajcetic halfway through the season. Fabio Carvalho and Harvey Elliott. 
Because at the start of the season, it was Harvey Elliott was the young kid that had to go into the midfield. And I thought Harvey Elliott was more than good enough for what you would be expecting of a 19-year-old kid coming into Liverpool's midfield, kind of without a position, kind of, you know, in between the third sort of thing. And now he's been bumped back down the pecking order. And he came on there with, what, 15 minutes to go in the game? Maybe not even. No, even less than that. He came on, yeah, just before injury time and was just buzzing around the midfield, you know, all over the place, all action, looking for the ball and everything like that. How we were saying we should be using Harvey Elliott as, you know, the third substitute to come on or the fourth substitute to come on. And now he is becoming that because somebody else has come up. So whether it was our old players refining their form or the emergence of Bacetic is the natural order of things has kind of resorted itself back out. And, you know, you said a, a player's not seen for five or six games and people immediately jump to the conclusion that he's been completely thrown out of the plans. Well, that's Fabio Carvalho. You know, I, it's, I don't think he's been on a bench for... <coughs> no, I don't, I, don't, I don't know with Carvalho. You know, um, I think he's an unbelievable talent. Um, anytime I've seen him, um, especially at Fulham. And he's had some decent games for Liverpool and he scored a couple of goals for Liverpool. Um but it might be just one of those things. Like, but you see, this is it. This is the thing. Carvalho is an, an eighteen-year-old player, nineteen, eighteen, I think he is. He's been at Fulham. He's had a good season in the Championship. Fulham to Liverpool is a ridiculous jump, right? The same way um, Blackburn to Liverpool was a huge jump for Elliot after his loan spell. And players go through these things. You know, players go through these things where you don't see them for, especially under Klopp. You don't see them. And then he might he probably just appear in three weeks' time and like, oh, he's on the bench again. Oh, he's got to get on as a sub. And, oh, now he's getting 30 minutes. Listen, I, I keep going back to it. In today's world, if Fabio Cavallo isn't scoring and assisting every fucking two games, you know, what's 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 his yeah. value? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, he's a young chap that's been at Fulham. He's a really good talent. He's come to Liverpool. He's probably got off to a decent start. He's probably finding it a bit tough. Um... And he's probably just the odd man out a little bit at the moment because as much as the experienced players haven't been doing it for us, there's only so many youngsters you can rely on. You know, you can't go all youngsters because it's it's not fair on them. So, yeah. I, again, I wouldn't worry too much over him. But I think he might benefit the spotlight yeah. off him and the spotlight off Elliot. Bill. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, uh, Kieran B there asked the question, you know, attitude problems with Carvalho maybe. Like, why is he rarely selected for the bench? Makes me think something's up. Surely he'd be a good option off the bench. But, I mean, you look at our bench that we had for the Derby, and I don't know who comes off the bench. I mean, Van Dyke, Milner, Keita, Firmino, Jada, Nat Phillips, Simicass, Harvey Elliott, you know. And Kelleher, Wait, who who out of those players on the bench loses their spot on merit to Fabio Carvalho? You know, it's the reason why Ben Doak, you know, I guess he's injured now, but why he's losing his spot out in the team. Like, we're getting bodies back. We're having some players actually step up and play a little bit better. And it it just, it gives them a little more time. And then when you think about it, Batch Ditch is 18. Harvey Elliott's 19. Fabio Carvalho, I believe, just turned 20. Jude Bellingham, 20. Hmm. But Jono says there we are desperate to sign Carvalho only to bomb him out already. I hate how we are handling him so far because he's a really talented player. But nobody knows know he's, bo- he's bombed out. Yeah. Like, uh, honestly, like uh, I, li- I was listening to um, Andy Robertson on the official Liverpool podcast and he was saying he turned up at Liverpool and he was ready to go first day. You know, ready to go. I'm good. Let's go. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. He was gradually brought in. He was out. And, you know, I remember him playing against Palace. I'm nearly sure it was Palace at Anfield. And he was yeah. fucking brilliant. Didn't see him. I was at that game, yeah, I remember. Yeah, gone, and he got my gone for about a month. Gone. Good luck. You know, and then he came back in. And then when he got back in, it just rolled on. You know, I think Moreno might have been still at the club at that time. And Moreno's, and then all of a sudden, Robertson gets in and it just takes off. We don't know how Liverpool are treating him. We don't know if they haven't turned around and listen... You need to build on this. You need to build on that. It's going to take you six weeks. So we're going to walk you and walk you for six weeks. And when you come back then, we feel that you have a much better chance of getting into this side, a much better chance of impacting games. We That could be it. Yeah, we could have bombed them out. We don't know why. But on the other hand, it could be just nurturing a 19-year-old footballer. Like, that's yeah. all it is. And it, 
like at the absolute worst, if, if there is an attitude problem and Klopp and Co have realized that he's just not going to work out at Liverpool, almost certainly we're going to make a profit. You know, he's still an extremely young, homegrown, qualified player that we got for a snip from Fulham. So, I mean, at the absolute minimum, if he goes out on loan next season and we sell him the summer afterwards, we're probably going to make, you know, a tidy, tidy little profit uh, on Fabio Carvalho. But yeah, it was just something that I quite liked because I was uh, I was a big fan of Harvey Elliott at the start of the season and he's really kind of lost his place in the team. And I can't see any arguments for him, you know, desperately needing to be brought back into the midfield because we seem to have found some semblance of solidity to it. So I just like the idea that earlier in the season, you got a lot of people that were saying like, oh, we're playing him too much. We're playing him too much. And, you know, now we're not playing him so much. So it's funny how things work out. It's almost like the people that manage the team and run the team have a plan and kind of know what they're doing. Uh, Speaking of plans, got a couple of big games coming up, Glenn. We've got Newcastle on Saturday and Real Madrid on Tuesday. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to Saturday. I've got a couple of tickets, so I'm going to the game. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I know it sounds like dead cliche, like, but uh, I honestly think like the Newcastle game, like the players need to treat that like it's a cup final. I really do. Um, when I was on last time a couple of weeks ago before the Wolves game, obviously at that stage there, obviously it was before we, we had gotten beat. But I remember saying that despite how far back we were from sort of top four, the fact that we still had to play a lot of the teams who were in them positions above us, that was the kind of thing that gave me the hope that we could still do it no matter how far back we were. And obviously like this is this is our first real test on, on Saturday against Newcastle. And I think with the way it's sitting in the table, if we do beat them on Saturday... We go six points behind with a game in hand. So I think, like, and for them, obviously, um, they all not, they haven't been in this position for, for donkey's years. Um, but obviously, if we lose, you just think that that is asking a lot to come back from that. So, as I say, I know it does sound a bit cliche, but um, I really do think the players need to go in and, and treat this like it's a cup final. And um, probably having the Real Madrid game on the Tuesday night isn't great for us because... Obviously, with that coming so soon afterwards, maybe if I had been on the Wednesday to get that extra day recovery, would have been ideal. But um, no, I think like I think Saturday it is massive. If as I say, if if we wanna if we wanna have any sort of realistic chances of getting into that top four, because I think even if we do win, it's still gonna be hard for us to get yeah. there. Our game in hand is away to Chelsea, so obviously I know they've been poor, but you know Stamford Bridge is never an easy place to go. But um, no, it is. It's um, I think Saturday like is is a really really important game. Yeah, even just the sheer number of teams we got to climb over to get into fourth. Like it's not like we're in fifth. You know, we're we're in ninth. Yeah, <laughs> but I think we, them them teams though. I think they they will fade away though because naturally, you know, I remember like you know, in years gone by, you always used to have like Bolton. I remember Bolton under Sam Allardyce. They yeah. always used to be up around fourth, fifth, and then when it got to like March April time whenever you know you were getting into the thick of the you know, towards the end of the season i think that sometimes that's where the squad size comes into it and that's where obviously the likes of your brightons and your Phillips, they just can't compete with us um and maybe even spurs to to a certain extent in terms of the squad i know obviously there's an argument yeah exactly i mean like newcastle don't have a big squad like you know, if they um they lose a couple of players then you know they haven't really got any sort of like for like replacements at the minute you know obviously we all know that they're not short of cash, but in fairness to them, they they've not done a Chelsea and just went out and just thrown it around. Um, you know, there's you can see there's clearly a plan there, but the squad is quite small at, at this moment in time. Um, but like even thinking about the game, like I think the fact that Bruno's suspended that's a massive miss for them because he like he is a class act. Like let's make no make no bones about it, he is a really good good midfielder. Um. But just like thinking about the game itself, like the thing about Newcastle, I think it's impressed me so much about them this season is the energy they've got from midfield. And that's like the complete opposite that we've been saying about us. So I think for us, it's got to be so important that we keep the ball. Because if we're chasing them, then I, I don't think we can go toe to toe to them uh, with them when it comes uh, to sort of, you know, who's going to outlast the other in terms of like energy. Like Joe Linton, he's just a machine. Longstaff, he's got legs. Willock, he's another one. Willock so is I injured, think, like, apparently. 
Ah, he is, yeah. And well, Almiron's um, 50-50, says Eunice. Yeah. But I think... I, I, um, I'll, I'll take all these positives. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think, like, um, keeping possession is going to be key on Saturday. And as well, like, with the being a half-five game, under the lights, the atmosphere will be up. So, um, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be really, really important that we're able to do that. So it's a massive game. Yeah, it's I couldn't agree more. I mean, Gav, the, the seems like the battle's probably going to be won in midfield in this one. I mean, like, Joe Ellington is just like a player completely transformed. Like, he's gone from being just a laughable waste of money signing as a forward for Newcastle to being one of the better midfielders in the league this year. Uh, I The news of Willock being out, that's helpful. I mean, he seems to have had a, a bit of a resurgence this year. But even like, you know, I'm not sure which of the Longstaff brothers it is. You know, Sean, Sean, Maddie, one of one of the two long staffs. I mean, they they're getting they're getting performances from their unlauded players, yeah, to a, to a level that I really wasn't expecting out of the Saudi-owned Newcastle. But confident, because I I I I'm confident. It's a must win. There's no other ways. To, I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. It's a must win. Liverpool have, if I remember right, they've Newcastle Saturday, Madrid, then they have, I want to say there's a Wolves game in there somewhere. Um, Palace they, then Wolves. Palace, yeah, sorry, Palace away, isn't it? Um, yeah, the Wolves Palace game away. is our game at hand too, I think. Yeah, so so we have Newcastle on Saturday, we've Tuesday we have uh, Real Madrid, then it's Palace away, Wolves at home, United at home. Um, that's our next five games, I think, or whatever that number is. This is a must-win. Liverpool, genuinely, Liverpool have to win those next four league games if they want to make top four. Simple as that. So, going to Newcastle on Saturday, yeah, half five, not ideal. You know, 50,000 uh, or 45,000 Geordies or whatever the amount of them that will be there um, on the on the beer all day. Um, they'll be raring to go. And you see, as much as we, want, we, we need to win to keep this alive... They need something. They've drawn the last three league games. Um, they've only scored three goals in that time. I think, um, two or yeah, I think it's three one-all draws. I think in the last three league games. So they'll need a win because they'll start to get jittery over this. this they're sixteen games out now. Um, this is where you really start to earn your money, and they'll need they need to put something on the table quick before this starts to slide on them. So they'll see this as an opportunity, despite the fact Liverpool have won on Monday. They'll see as Liverpool coming here. They might feel a bit aggrieved over the defeat at Anfield, which I think might be their only defeat. <laughs> they do, this trust season. me. Yeah, their only defeat this season, I think, actually. And, you know, they need to do that, but Liverpool need to show that Monday wasn't just, oh, I was a derby and we showed up, because that would be infuriating to me that you're turning up for a fucking derby against that mob on Monday who are fucking shocking, right? And then going away, giving yourself that little boost, and then going away to Newcastle and throwing it all away again. It's the same as Monday. You have to work hard. You have to work as a team, you have to win second balls, and you have to take chances. And I think if we do them as, I'm not saying perfectly, but as good as we possibly can, we'll win the game. You know, Newcastle have been very good at the back. They're, they're, they're drawing up a little bit with goals. Liverpool need to make sure that the first 15 minutes, 20 minutes of this game isn't helter-skelter and there's corners for Newcastle because that would just won't stop them. You know, the, yeah. as much as we talk about Anfield, St. James is the same. If they get on a roll, they'll just keep going and going and going. And most teams will crack under that. Some great teams have cracked under St. James's Park. So, need to go, need to win it. Um, need to be solid. But this is where we need Nunes. This is where we need Salah, Gakbo. That's what those three, those three, I think, are the fullbacks. If they turn up, I think we went. I, 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 we done a show on bookmakers today. I have Liverpool down for a 3 1 win because I just, it's a must win. A draw is not good enough. I like it. I agree. Well, you, you you talk you talk about big players needing to step up, and somebody here in the chat asked the question: Does Virgil come back, come back into the team? I wanted, him back in, I wanted him back in the team for the derby. Hundred <laughs> percent. Do you know the thing is? I think like it's no coincidence that Matip has looked so uncomfortable as he has that when Van Dijk's been out of the team, it's almost like Van Dijk's his comfort blanket. Like last season, whenever them two were starting week in, week out, obviously Virgil's always going to get the plaudits. But I, I thought Matip was like just as good, if not better at times, than him last season. But like this yeah. year when he's been out of the team, like 
he just seems to like lose his confidence. I think one of you were saying earlier about um, the Starley Everton game the other night. You know, there was like a mm. simple ball played to him under his foot. Yeah. You know, just little silly things like that. Yeah. And even in the Wolves game, you know, where you know that ball went over the top and he just let it go. Like he, yeah. he, does, he does things that you just can't explain. But he never does that whenever he's got Virgil beside him. No. You know, it's almost as I say, it's like he's got that comfort blanket. No, like hundred percent. I think we need to have Virg back in the team um, on Saturday because. As I say, with us being away, we we know we are going to come under pressure, you know, in that game more so than what we would do, um, you know, if we were playing them at home. So I think a hundred percent, like I'd have him back in the team. the the only The only thing that makes me think that he might not is just obviously with Madrid's coming on the Tuesday, because obviously that you know, it is a big game, and I I, I agree with Gav. I think the Newcastle game is is bigger in terms of the context of our season. Obviously, the Madrid's the glamour tie. But um, if we're looking sort of you know, objectively at it, you know Newcastle is the one what we really need to win in order to kind of to get the season truly back up and running. Yeah, there's a few people who, in the chat there uh, saying who, that they feel Van Dijk has to play because um, he need if he's going to play against Madrid, he might need minutes. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Who who would you pair him with, Glenn? Joe or Joel? I'd go Matip. Yeah. So would I. Yeah, I just think them two as a pair, like they they just. They, they, is Callum Wilson playing? Yeah, he's fit, yeah. Yeah, well, then you don't play Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez got uh, ragballed. Joe, Gomez, Joe Gomez got ragballed around, around Anfield against Shea Adams, like genuinely. Me and Glenn sat beside each other and watched it. And we were like, <laughs> what is going on here? So, yeah, I play Matip. If, if Callum Wilson is playing, 100% I play Matip. What about, uh, what about Diogo Jota or Bobby Firmino? Starts for either of them? Or? Uh... I wouldn't change the front three, to be honest. No, I wouldn't, but I think it will change very soon. I think in this run of form we have, and if he's trying to get back to familiarity and what we used to do, I think he gets Firmino back in this team as quick as he can. I think he get, I think he tries to get back to Firmino down the middle with Darwin Nunes off one side and Salah off the other, ASAP. Um, Jota looked yeah, fairly... He is in for Madrid on Tuesday? Well, maybe. Maybe because I, I think... I don't want to see Jota push too hard off the back of the injuries he's had and I'm absolutely fine with being on the bench and coming on if you need a goal yeah because if he if he picks up another injury that's that's just about it for but it means game. then if you if you play like I don't like Firmino coming on as a sub but if you start Firmino and Salah and Darwin Nunes and you say to me well look I'm going to put Nunes inside take Firmino off and I'm going to put a Gakpo or a Jota down the left hand side I'm completely fine with that completely fine with it it means that Gakpo a little bit less responsibility for him because he's being thrown into the deep end. You've got Jota that's coming back from, he hasn't played since C. So, you know, that's, I don't know how long ago, that this season feels like about three years long. So, <laughs> it, it genuinely could be 18 months ago since when he played C. Um, but you don't want to push him. And I don't want to, as much as I want these players back with some of them, I want to see them, we have the options up front to nurse these players back in. But I think Firmino might be the one that he wants to get in quicker than quicker than the likes of a Jota. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I think I can agree with that. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, if we're going to do anything out of this season, it's we got to start putting a string of results together, and it needs to start last Monday and carry forward from there. I disagree with you, though. It's I, I think the Champions League is there to win. Uh, Kev O'Sullivan said way early in the chat about 45 minutes ago that this year's given him 2005 vibes and I am a full subscriber to that Kev I am on board with that because I said just give me win draw win draw win draw win in the Champions League yeah there you go you saved it you saw that no I didn't I'm just able to oh, search 2005 and find it this is very fancy this stuff I have is very fancy look at you yeah I'd I can I can see something happening in this. Uh, I was listening. I think it was the Guardian Football Weekly podcast today talking about the Champions League, and I think somebody on there just said like, if Liverpool gets through that Real Madrid tie, nobody wants to play Liverpool. Like both of those teams have something special about them in Europe, and like I noticed it with the with the Champions League and Europa League games, especially with the Barcelona Real uh, Barcelona United game today was they. In the build-up, they had to be very specific. Was this is the biggest name game in European football this week? Because it won't <laughs> be next week. When by the time the second leg is next week, it isn't the biggest game in European football because you don't get bigger than Real Madrid against Liverpool. Like that's 
that's just not going to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm feeling quite confident for it. I'm not going to probably be on a show before. Uh, I don't think probably any of us will be. So let's uh, let's get some predictions for Saturday. Glenn, how you feeling? I think it's going to be really really tight. It'll be. I'll go two one Liverpool. Um, I'll take a another Origi esque winner at the death. Um, but no, it'll be it'll definitely be tight. I think um, I'll go two one. Okay, who you got for your goal scores? Just for Liverpool. Do you know what? Like, I'll uh, I'll say Virgil will knock one in from a set piece, and um, I think Nunes will maybe grab another on the break. Like that. Boss man, how about you? 3-1 Reds. 3-1. Um, it's, it's all how we approach this. If they come out like a like mad as a bag of frogs, like we need to be really solid. We need we need to take our medicine and go, right, these are on one for 15 minutes here. So we're just going to... We're going to make sure Trent and Robert are really compact. Don't let get balls in behind them. The, the lads are wide are going to have to work hard. The, everyone's going to have to work as a unit for 15 minutes until we take a sting out of it. But I have a feeling Newcastle might play fucking take here and say to Liverpool, you have it. And we'll try hit you on the break because that's where I think Liverpool's frailties might be, believe it or not. When we're high up the pitch and we lose it, do we have the ability to turn? So either way, Liverpool have to be very cagey over this. They need The midfield is massive, massive. Um, because if we want to win the game, we have, simply have to get our full-backs forward. So the midfield is huge. 3-1 the Reds, though. I think... I'm 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 saying this because I want it to be a turning point. I'm saying it because I don't want to do shows for another fucking four months where literally we're going one night. Who gives a fuck? Um yes. so <laughs> uh, part of it is that, right? Um three one Liverpool, Salah Salah gets one. No, Salah Noon is Gakpo. I think the three of them will all score. Oh, the front yeah. three. Yeah, I think Nick Pope is gonna be fucking all over the shop in this. <laughs> You don't know what's that, going on. That, that does sound like Nick Pope. Uh, I, I'm thinking 3 0. Oh. I think. I thought I, think, I was bad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Glenn, I, Glenn's I, loving this. I, I, Glenn's sitting there going, I'm going to this game on Saturday. And if this fella is right, I'm going to have a lovely, lovely time. Wait, yes, I'll take a scrappy 1 0. Like, I don't care. Just three points. Any yeah. way they come, I don't mind. It's, I mean, I've, I, I came to the point of acceptance last week after. Uh, that Wolves game where it's just like you know what maybe we're not going to challenge for anything this season maybe it's just a total write-off like rebuild season and I'm okay with that as long as you can see some green shoots and you can see some good performances and things like you get one win against Everton and like I said I'm fully recharged back into it we're going on a run here for this but I think we're going to get our first penalty of the season oh I'm finally going to get a league penalty Salah's going to stick a penalty home uh, and I agree with Glenn. I think Virgil's going to score, and I think Nunez is going to score as well, too. So those are my three goal scorers. Okay. Fair. Yeah, and I mean, you're uh, boss, man. You'll be on a show before the Real Madrid game, but Glenn and I probably won't be. So, Glenn, how do you feel about Real Madrid at Anfield? Yeah, again, like, it'll be a tight one. Like, the thing is Benz with Madrid, like, they're so good at, like, managing these big games. Like, the experience they've got on that team is just it's unbelievable. Like what they done last year to win that, considering they got played off the park by not just us Everybody. in the final, City and Chelsea, and they just somehow like they just and it's just amazing. Like how they managed to like eke out results when their backs against it, it's just ridiculous how they done that last season. And like Ancelotti, like he's got a really good record against Klopp. Like he does have a, a he he seems to have almost like sussed out the system. Um, so it is. It's going to be a tight one. I think. I think we will get a positive result, but I'm going to say one 0 Liverpool. And I was. I'll go with. The- uh, I'll go with Salah. Salah to get the goal. Yeah, it's. Uh, I. I was. I was kind of feeling a one 0 as well too, which I think I'd be more than happy with. The, the Ancelotti comment is, you know, he definitely had us figured out last season, but. We are not the same team as we were last season. And that's 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 why my pick for goal scorer would be Darwin Nunez. I think he just brings such a different element to the team. Yeah, he's just he's so fast. Like I watched that goal that Kareem Adeyemi scored for Dortmund against Chelsea the other day in the Champions League, and was like, he's fast. I don't think he's as fast as Darwin though. Like 
Oh, it helps when you're up against Enzo Fernandez, like, but I, yeah, I know what you mean. I think I think yeah. the thing I think the thing with Darwin Nunes is like I was I was saying this earlier as well. I think a good run for Liverpool, I think he probably benefits the most out of it. I think in a good, confident Liverpool side that are winning games, three or four on the bounce, I think you'll start to see him scoring goals. I think he's relaxing himself because he's getting into good up good positions. He's assisting. He's I think he's ten or eleven goals this season for Liverpool. Um but he's he's making assists, he's snatching out a few teams because I always go back to it. Liverpool when they're flying, they didn't mind missing the odd chance because they go, we get another one in five minutes and them lads at the back don't concede. It'd be all good. Whereas Nunes is definitely in that sort of thing where I have to score because I'm a new player, yeah. I'm worth a lot of money, I have to score because these fucking idiots at the back are definitely conceding. Do you know what I mean? So it's been a lot for Alan. I think he'll I think he'll benefit probably the most um from a good run. Uh three one Liverpool on Tuesday night as well, by the way. Um, Ooh, three one like doubled up. Yeah, I think this Real Madrid team are eight points or something behind. I think I read there eight yeah. points. I thought it was six, but it, it must be eight. Um, they're eight points behind this Barcelona side, who are all over the fucking place. Like they're all over the place, right? Um, like I'm looking at it going, oh, he still plays for Barcelona because like, I thought we were just kicking them all out and then bring low <laughs> back in, and it's, it's mad stuff going on there. Um, and. That I think they, at some stage, they might put all their ba- eggs in the Champions League basket. And that might be a worry for us, but I have a feeling for Liverpool on Tuesday night. I think if we're turning the corner, like, we're literally, swear to God, nothing's better than Real Madrid on a Tuesday night. They're like, absolutely handbrake around that corner. You know what I mean? There full you pelt. go. See, that's the positive. Like a young Colin McRae, we will come around that corner <laughs> at speed. Um, that we're throwing. So I'm I'm all over Liverpool three one wins this week. Um, well, there you go. Subaru uh, Subaru is going to be the new Subaru uh, Impreza yeah. around the corner. That's Colin right, McRae, the new so. official Liverpool <laughs> FC rally car sponsor for the rest <laughs> yeah. of the season. So, uh, I mean, I, I I absolutely love your positivity, Gav. That's the that's the positivity of a man who's starting up a new golf YouTube channel. How's it going over there? It's great. Average. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um. Honestly, I love playing golf. Uh, me mate loves playing golf, but we've we've kind of fallen out of love with the competitive side of golf. You know, the the new world handicap system is a joke. Um, you go down and playing competitions in your club, and it's like, oh, can't be asked with this. I'd rather go out and take me time, and you know, stop and have a sandwich when I feel like it, and you know, this sort of thing. So, we we've decided to do it. We've put one video out. Um, it's it's a very good video. But we're having to work on the camera and the sound is fine. We're having to work on cameras and angles and different things and um but we will get better because we're just le- we're learning that sort of thing. But honestly, um we went out on Monday, we were out on the course for three and a half hours, just buzzing about, um, taking shots. Is that camera all right? Yeah, it's grand, you know, sort of thing. Um but we but we're trying to be very easy going, but we're trying to bring a product where people go, like genuinely, did you know how to use this camera? Do you know the sort of way? Um <laughs> And at sometimes you think, no, they don't, because it's it's amazing when you put a camera under a tree and point it at a player. If there's no light, if you're in a bush, there's no light coming from behind the camera, so yeah. you're not going to get that shot. Um, but yeah, no, it's really, really good. We have one video out. We're bringing a second one out. We're trying to get out this week to play more. We want people to come and play with us um, on the golf courses. Once you're, once you're willing to come down and play, don't be afraid if it's on camera. Have a laugh, and um, we're all we're all good. So, um, yeah, it's all good. Red Steve says Gav's handicap is his little legs. Now there's more way more handicaps than that. I have trust me. Um, <laughs> the arms are um. Yeah, I don't know. Um, your, your second, second tee shot on the on your video you put out there, I was like, okay, I could maybe golf with Gav because that's a yeah. Slice but then I but then I then I hammered two in a row okay. straight down you the middle. Covered. You and spoiler, very, very the well. next the next video, the fours, I hammer the next tee shot as well. So no, listen, it's not about playing good golf. That's why it's called bang average golf. But it's literally lads going out to play golf, have a laugh. We video it, we let it up, we throw it out there, and we're more than willing to take people's common suggestions. Like go out on the golf course and do this. It'd be a good laugh. Or we're more than willing to do that. So um, there you yeah. go. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it was pretty good watching the first video. So it's it'll mm. be exciting once it gets into proper golf season. To, yeah where you go from there so check them out bang average golf i also have to give you kudos because what a brilliant way of 
telling your missus of like, no, 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 I have to go golfing. It's for you. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't yeah. been golfing in three days. I got to put a video out. My yeah. my fans. I might no, start one in, night. In fairness, no, in fairness, I, I I've wanted to do this for ages, and 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 my wife said to me, "Well, just go and do with them." And uh, I I always said, "I'll do it." We'll probably put out twenty to thirty videos, and if it grows and people like it, fine. We'll keep doing it. If we don't, we just keep playing golf and just won't video it. You know the sort right, of way. Yeah. It's, it's not going to change. Many, it's not going to change the amount of times um, we play golf. You know, but um. Yeah, so it, look, it's a bit of a laugh. If people, like we said around the video the other day, if people want to come down and play where they can, if they're a member of a golf course and they want us to go to that golf course and we're allowed to film, we'll go and we'll do our best on that. So we could end up anywhere, you know. Yeah. But it's me and Neely, so we'll end up on cans. So it doesn't really matter. That, that was my main note I had for you guys, was that it did need more cans. And now it was 11 in the morning, so maybe not. But I think this all bodes very well leading into the LSC Day Trippers Golf Day coming up, that you guys should have the the wherewithal of how to film a little bit around a golf course. Because uh, being unable to get over there to take part in the day, like it would be it would be great to see some you know footage of the trippers out there. Uh, yeah. We might, we might do it, but then you're leading into so many cameras, so many mics and stuff like that. So we might, what we might do is, um, we might set up I a camera. The longest drive. I just want to know which tripper has. Well, we the might, we drive. might set up, we might set someone up a camera on one of the holes, so everyone coming through will be seen and their shot to be seen and shot traced and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and maybe then, nearest well, to the pin or something. So. Yeah, yeah we'll while something. they're waiting for the next hole, you just have two buckets, one with a knife, one with a peeler, and it's just a speed competition. To you peel see. the potatoes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, just to see who can do it better. Could so, exactly. Uh, all right, well, we're getting pretty much near the end. So, yeah, check out our uh, sponsors over bookmakers.com. Go to their YouTube page. Check out the video Gab put out today, uh, premiering or previewing the Premier League action going into this weekend. Uh, check out the show description though. The main thing is the uh, link to the description. Donate to our charity campaign, as you see on the screen. The 12 women running the Dublin Marathon to raise money for breast cancer awareness. Chugging along, getting towards their goal, raising money for it. I'm sure they're out there practicing running. I'm practicing running. It's just running. Running and running and running and getting trained up. Yeah, yeah. It's not, like, it's not like you start running and go, oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, if you can donate, please go ahead and do that. If not, uh, toss it in your social media accounts, share it amongst your circle of people. It always helps to just kind of widen the uh, net that we cast for something like this because lots of people are affected by this and lots of people feel pretty generous when it comes to causes like breast cancer and especially when it involves having other people run 26 miles. So uh, go and do that for us. And of course, Please hit the like button for us. If you're listening to us on a podcast after the fact, go into the rating system. Give us a five-star rating or a one-star rating and leave some feedback, but preferably a five-star rating. Uh, don't leave a one-star. Well, I don't know. Just, just, just give us some feedback. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but you know where listeners are listening to go, this is great crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Just everyone do a one-star for the crack. It'd be so much fun. And it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's like, you need to more stars than that. Yeah, it's like the sons of bitches that hit the thumb down button on the youtube video yeah. don't hit the thumb down button hit the thumbs up button and if you don't like it just throw a comment in saying why you don't like it but just hit the thumbs up button that's the yeah. least you can do exactly. uh then anything before we get out of here no 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 just uh looking forward to the weekend yeah uh flying over saturday morning and um, meet my mates before the game have a few pints and then off to the match like so um i've lucky like i've managed to get tickets for newcastle sort of like the last sort of 10 years whilst i was living over there <clears throat> so um yeah i've had a a few good uh a few good days out there watching the reds like um so hopefully another one on saturday yeah yeah it sounds like it i mean somebody in the comments there said that you better get there early to start going up the steps to the away yes. and yeah. I, i'm not i'm not familiar with saint level james seven. yeah yeah, yeah level seven um, yeah the away Maybe end not. of Newcastle is just like on the mill. <laughs> Genuinely, is on the mill. That one in, in, in Barcelona. Like, it looks like that's literally on the roof of the stadium, the away end they have in Barcelona. Yeah. 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 That's... But Newcastle is so high up, so many steps. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. And, uh, Gav, what's uh, what's coming up on the channel for the rest of the week? Um, Tomorrow's Friday, so you'll have a Premier League forecast. Um, Saturday night, you'll have your full-time Reds after Newcastle and Liverpool. Sunday, you'll have the fat back four. Monday, we'll be back. We should have winners and losers back unless something mad happens and we have to do a different show. And Tuesday, we'll be back there with full-time Reds for Liverpool, Real Madrid. Nice. 
it's all it's all coming hot and heavy it's that mm-hmm. time of the season midweek games are back european football is back and everybody in liverpool dumb is feeling very positive because we put the boots to crappy crappy everton who are hopefully going down so thanks oh, yeah, everybody on, for leads, by the way please What's for that? the love of god leads win at the weekend yeah <laughs> yeah it's they're they're the one it seems like if Everton are going to get out of trouble it looks like they're it's going to be there yeah. instead of Everton because Bournemouth yeah. look terrible and Saints are garbage yeah. absolutely garbage so start picking over the bones of who on uh, Southampton would be a good Shakiri Genie Wijnaldum <laughs> yeah a good eight million quid signing in the summer yeah it's uh, <laughs> that Lavia maybe that they got from Man City for for a, a pinch in the summer we can go ahead and take him but. Yeah, thanks for joining us on the Viewer's Voice, folks. Hit the like button on the way out for us, please, and thank you. We'll see you guys around. Adios. Sports Social Podcast Network.